0: This is SR1.
1: All right, everybody, here we go. You are listening to SR1 on News Talk STL. My name is Rob Carter, and you are listening to The Rob Carter Show. Wow, do we have a lot of information for you today. You know, every time I do a show, somebody goes, Rob, you didn't finish one of your thoughts. And I try to explain that to people. There is information overload out there. There are so many narratives that I have to touch upon, but I try to keep people focused on the things that matter. But they get their information from some talk show host on Fox News or some talk show host on CNN or The View with Joy Behar and that group of hens. They get their information from there and they want to talk about it. They are conditioned to fight with people who have a different perspective than they do. By design. I've been saying it over and over again. This system is designed to keep you and I fighting so that criminal organization in D.C., that racketeering outfit, can take the money. They can print the bills. Their overlords print the bills. The actors go out and sell them, tell you how great it's going to be if we just pass this $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that nobody read, nobody even knows what's in it, to expand our money laundering network around the world. That's what it is. And I think it's relatively obvious, but you can't prove it because you don't know anything about the bill and you don't have enough time to read 4,000 pages and make sense of it. And they know that. They know you're not going to pay attention to it because you're too busy trying to raise your family, keep your job, keep food on the table, keep gas in the tank. It's all by design. We are being infiltrated by people outside of our country. They have bribed the puppets within our country. And here we are. We're in danger of losing our freedom in this generation or the next, and very few people have any understanding of what's going on. Stick with The Rob Carter Show, and I'm going to explain it to you over and over and over again until you can explain it to your friends and family. The biggest story in America right now, if we had a press, would be the story of Jacqueline Brager in Arizona. And I'm going to get to this story in detail later on in the show. But she went before the... Senate Elections and House Municipal Oversight and Elections Committee in Arizona and tells one of the most fantastic stories you've ever heard. Uh, she is somebody with a master's degree in marketing. She's got a little bit of an education background. She teamed up with a law firm, and they went into an investigative uh, forensic uh, overlook of what was going on in Arizona through Mesa and through Maricopa County. And what she tells, the story that she tells is unbelievable. And she says she's turned over this information to Doug Ducey, who is the uh, governor of Arizona. And I'm going to get into that story. I'll play some clips. But it is the most important story because let me break it down for you one more time. The only thing that we should be focused on, not the only thing, but the primary thing that everybody in America and right here in St. Louis should be focused on is do we have free fair, and verifiable elections. If we're not picking the people that represent us in a republic, then we're not free. It doesn't mean that you don't have some freedoms. You can get your car and go to the park today if you want, if you consider that free. But when they're suppressing your speech, when they're trying to take your guns away, when you know you don't have any right to privacy anymore, some of the most basic constitutional rights in this country are being stripped away right before your very eyes, and they're going to convince you that it's good for you. It's sad to watch the brainwashing and the conditioning of this society. Is, it's just too much to watch. But I want to get into Jacqueline Brager a little bit uh, later in the show. Let me give you just the uh, the outline of what she said. She said there is a money laundering scheme that is being ran through mortgage deeds. And that money, and I'm talking about $7.5 billion at the very minimum, is being laundered and used for bribes throughout basically the entire system of Maricopa County, which is one of the largest counties in America and the largest county in Arizona, to steal elections, to create, uh, create people out of thin air. They can create the documents out of thin air digitally the problems i've been talking about for a long long time once things become digital i can i can put a digital person into our system that doesn't even exist and that's what she says has been going on they're taking people out of the system taking information out of the system and putting fraudulent information into the system she says the whole thing is a racketeering mess and what she really wanted to get across because this was an election conversation is that the election in 2020 and the midterm election in 22, so the one that uh, had Donald Trump getting losing to Joe Biden, all of the shenanigans that everybody watched that went down in Arizona, and then again in 2022 in the midterms with Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs. I've covered it over and over again. Anybody that paid attention to what went down in Arizona knows for 100% certain that that election was manipulated. I don't care about Carrie Lake. I could care less. I'm just simply saying that the elections are being manipulated. They're being rigged. Therefore, you don't have a free society anymore. You have people governing you that are selected. It runs like a mafia. If you understand how mafias work, you have the overlords, and then you have the soldiers, and you have everything in between. They have this system completely and totally controlled, and they want to move it from a free and open society to a compliant society. That's what they want to do. They love the Chinese model. They love the Chinese model, and the Chinese love infiltrating our system because, guess what? The Chinese like the model, too. That's why it's their model. We are moving away from freedom and into compliance very quickly. Uh, They're going to use every tool in the toolbox to get us there, and nobody in this society seems to recognize it or understand it, and I can't for the life of me figure out why. Maybe it's because I'm so attached to it, that I just, I see it so clearly. It's so easy to recognize. We're gonna get through several things today and I'll tie these people together for you. I was talking to my wife earlier and she said, you know, it's, it's you know, it took me a long time to get the gist of what you're saying. And, and, you know, the more I look at it, the more obvious it is. But how do you get that much information into the heads of people that really aren't, uh, they've got too much to do? They've gotta feed their families, they gotta keep a job, uh, they're busy. And I say it's very difficult because if you look at it this way, how can you explain to somebody what a beach is one grain of sand at a time? Very difficult to do. That is why I try not to get I try not to steer off into too many directions. I try to keep people focused. If we don't have legitimate elections, we don't have a free republic. If we let me say it again, listen to me. If we do not have recognizable, free, fair, solidified, protected election systems we don't have a free society and nobody everybody wants to talk about everything but don't you notice that i said it on the last show must have struck a chord because a lot of feedback on it uh if you get into congress and the senate and you're talking about rigged elections which the democrats and the republicans both have done what happens when they stop talking about it and why would they stop talking about why do the democrats blame the republicans when they lose an election? And then the Republicans blame the Democrats and they bring up witnesses. I played all the clips on here before where people are talking about how the elections can be hacked. The voting machines can be hacked. Uh, you see how it works. Everybody kind of understands how it goes down. They know the dominion systems and the smartmatic systems. And now the run systems in Arizona, they recognize what's going on there. But as soon as they get into power, the media flips the switch and we're onto a different topic. Why do you think that is? It's because it's a uniparty. It's a one-party system. It is the illusion of a two-party system. It's a game that they play, and you have to ask yourself, do these game players have your best interest at heart? Is your life getting easier, or is it getting more difficult? Do you feel like you were more free 30 years ago than you do today? How about 50 years ago than you do today? How about 70 years ago than you do today? Not how much money do you have, not how big is your house or how sweet is your car, But do you live a satisfied life better today than you did 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 years ago? You don't. You have more modern conveniences because we worked our tails off to have them. But are you reaping the rewards of all that labor? Or are you like most people, over 65% of this country lives check to check? How much anxiety could a country have when they have no security at all? Their corporation could fire them tomorrow. The stock market could crash tomorrow with $31, $32 trillion in debt. Uh, everybody is on uh, uh, depression drugs. They're doing. Uh, they want to make marijuana legal everywhere, which adds to the anxiety. All of these things are coordinated, and nobody wants to talk about anything that matters. They want to talk about the BS that Fox News and CNN puts out there, the corporate narrative that starts every day, and they can move you wherever they want. They can take you in whatever direction they want. They're trying to convince you right now that there are UFOs in the sky. I mean, I guess next week it'll be Bigfoot, and we'll go, I, you know what? I did think there was some Bigfoot going on. I remember when I was out in my backyard, and this big thing. I, thought, I just saw the shadow of it, but I thought it was a big, uh, like, a, like an orangutan. I, maybe there are Bigfoots. I never really put much time into it, and they will get you to talk about Bigfoot for a month until they got some more money they ripped off from you until they change the narrative to the next thing. People have got to get down with what's going on around here. It is so frustrating to listen to these talking heads on the radio stations and on the uh, on the mass media uh, news programs. It's just, it's, it's sickening to watch these people control the minds of our citizens. And nobody wants to think, nobody can think, I'm assuming. We are going to talk about Jacqueline Brager in detail throughout the show. I also want to get into... The January 6th information that's coming out. Now, remember McCarthy? Everybody's, uh, you know, I told you what McCarthy was. McCarthy is a power broker in D.C. Can't you look at that guy and see a snake? Doesn't anybody have any sixth sense when they see somebody? I mean, I've been in business my entire life. I can recognize a snake in 30 seconds. When you look at McCarthy, he is a snake. And he said he was going to release all the video footage from the January 6th inside the Capitol. And now who's he giving it to? He's giving it to Tucker Carlson. Now, why, when you have, uh, this is a public conversation, why would it be filtered through Tucker Carlson and Fox News, do you think? Why isn't it out there for everybody to review and see? Why isn't the 40,000 hours of tape out there for everyone to see? Instead, McCarthy's going to give it to our hero, Tucker Carlson, because Tucker Carlson, to a certain group of people, think they're getting the real skinny from Tucker. And I say over and over again, Tucker gives you just a piece of, of the puzzle never puts the puzzle together for you. I put the puzzle together for you, but not Tucker. But Tucker is on Fox News, which gives people credibility, right? I mean, when you watch the morning show and you see Killmead and Deucey and whoever the whatever woman they have on at any given time, do you think those people, without the backing of Fox News, could start a radio program or any kind of program on YouTube or Rumble and make it go if you didn't see them first on Fox News? No! Those people have zero talent. They get, their, they get their credibility from Fox News, and then they become somebody that influences your opinion. They are boneheads. Nobody should pay an ounce of attention to them. Watching it makes you stupider. It makes you dumb. That's all it does. I want to get into the club again. I keep telling you, you can connect these people through many different resources. Okay, you can look at the defense contractors. You can look at the pharmaceutical industry. You can look at the media. You can look at the colleges. You can look at the think tanks. These people that run the show for us are connected. And now they're connected to the World Economic Forum and the United Nations. That's what's going on. You've got a treaty coming down the line that is going to strip your sovereignty from you if there's a pandemic as outlined by the United Nations. You'll no longer have your constitutional rights because we are going to sign a treaty in the dark of night. I have a feeling we're going to keep an eye on it, but we are going to approve of a treaty that turns over our sovereignty in a pandemic to the United Nations. And whatever laws and whatever regulations, whatever rules they want to put upon you, uh, we'll have to abide by it because we don't have our uh, constitutional freedoms anymore. We're going to sign a treaty. It's, it's, it's insane. I want to talk about identity politics and why that's going down. Uh, right here in St. Louis, you've got Kim Gardner, and there's a lot of people uh, debating back and forth. What's her role? What is she all about? Uh, identity politics is a big deal because once you label something, once you put something into a group, it separates them from the other people in the group, and then you can keep people fighting. And we must be fighting. Think of your parents when they got divorced, right? Or if you're one of these people that got divorced, one parent goes one way, the other parent goes the other way. The kid is able to manipulate their parents because they're separated. There's a new GOP candidate for 2024. I want to talk about him. Another club member. He's saying all the right things, and then you look him up, and he's a club member. We're going to get into him a little bit. We are going to talk about Fauci. That was the one thing that I didn't finish from last week. I brought up Fauci. I know all about Fauci because I was a big fan of Magic Johnson. When Magic Johnson got AIDS, I could tell you where I was at. I was absolutely glued to the story. One of the most famous basketball players that ever lived. A winner. An incredible personality. I liked everything about him because I was big into basketball, and I thought he was the absolute man. So when he got AIDS, I'm like, wow, this huge personality is going to die. He's going to wither down to 100 pounds, a bag of bones, and he's going to die. Which is what everybody before that who got AIDS, that's what happened to him. But not to Magic Johnson, and if you study Anthony Fauci and the story behind it, you know why. We're going to talk about Russia and Ukraine throughout the show because that's starting to heat up, and now China's coming in with their solution to fix the problem. And if I'm right, now this is just a hunch. I don't know this to be true. And believe me, these people could take us to war because they don't care if our kids die. Like if you think, think Vladimir Putin's the bad guy, don't you think they could take out Vladimir Putin? If you think that Joe Biden is the bad guy, don't you think that they could take out Joe Biden? No, they're going to take out your kids. You're going to send your kids over to some foreign land to fight for these oligarchs and they'll call it off whenever they want. Always think with common sense. If the United States uh, wants to stick their finger in the eye of a nuclear power, does that make any sense to you? And does it make any sense to you that we'd want to stick our finger in the eye of China, who we do billions, if not trillions of dollars of commerce with, China? So does it make any sense? Do you really believe that the United States wants to start war through Ukraine against Russia? And do you believe that we want to start bad-mouthing China, saying they're sending spy balloons over our skies? Think about it. I've got a ton of information for you. Stick with this show. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, let's get back into it. Thanks for sticking through the break. Once again, you are listening to SR1 on News Talk STL. My name is Rob Carter, and you are listening to The Rob Carter Show. If you are intrigued by the information, if you want to get involved with the discussion, please email us at therobshowhost at gmail.com. Host at gmail.com. Again, Rob is spelled with two Bs. I'll answer any of your questions. Ah, uh, get involved because the more you get involved with the conversation, the easier it is to explain it to friends, neighbors, coworkers. We're in a pickle as a country. We are sliding off the edge of the cliff, and we need to get this thing figured out. We are being led by a criminal organization, a racketeering outfit, and we got to recognize that. And we have to put some process in play to get us out of it. That's what needs to happen. One topic that I left off the, or I left on the shelf last week. I didn't finish up was about Anthony Fauci. I made mention of him earlier. But Anthony Fauci, there's a book out there by Robert F. Kennedy called The Real Anthony Fauci, and it details the career of this guy. And more and more information comes out every day about COVID, all of the lies that we were told. Uh, and people are starting to recognize that they were lied to. But again, pride comes before the fall, right? Because if 70% of America took these uh, gene therapies under duress or because they were screaming up and down and cheerleading for them because they couldn't wait to get them so they could take their two masks and their flippers and football helmets off and the bubble wrap, if you're one of those people, I'm not mad at you, but you got you to gotta get with it. You got to recognize that you were fooled. You're looking silly by sticking with this con job that was put upon you. You need to get over it. You need to, we're okay. We're going to, all of us here that tried to tell you so from the very beginning, we're not going to say anything. We're going to open our arms. We're going to hug you and we're going to say, come on into the fold. It's not left versus right. It's not conservative versus liberal. It is not educated versus uneducated. It's not white versus black. It is us. We the people versus the criminal organization in D.C. That's what it is. And it's all being covered up by the media. All the information that you need to know is being hidden. You got to stay focused. You got to understand what's happening for your kids and grandkids. I don't know how many times I have to say it. I'm going to live my life just fine. No matter what happens, I'm going to be happy. They could stick me in a cell by myself and I'd be happy. I could hang out with me all day long. So it doesn't matter to me. I'm just trying to get people to understand that our freedoms are being chipped away at, and you can do something about it. The first thing you have to do is get free and fair elections. You must understand that that is job one. You got to understand what's happening, and then you got to get our elections solidified. We must have real, verifiable elections in order to send people into D.C. and into your state houses that have your best interest at heart, that are trying to make your life easier. Do you think those people in D.C. care about you at all? At all? Do you really believe that? Because if you do, you are under mind control. Nobody, thinking clearly, could look at that circus up there in D.C. and think, those are the people that are going to make my life better. Nobody thinks that. You could ask a thousand people right now, do you think the people in D.C. are trying to make your life better? And only the ones that are cross-eyed with their hat on sideways would say yes. Clear thinking people know that they have no interest in you. They write bills through Harvard, into D.C. Nobody reads them. They sign them, and then they sell them to you on their news outlet. They sell them on their news outlets to make you say, oh, $1.7 trillion? Sure, excellent, great, love it. Print more money and send it to Ukraine. All I care about is what's going on in Ukraine. I don't care about my gas prices or my food prices. I don't care that my family split up. I don't care that I have to worry about getting these three boosters that I know I didn't need, and now I'm starting to feel a little sick. I don't know what's going on. None of that seems to matter anymore because the press has a hold on the minds of our society. Let me start with Anthony Fauci. Then we're going to get into several uh, different topics. Again, I want to talk about the January 6th. Uh, All of the video now that's being released from that scumbag Kevin McCarthy. We're going to talk about how all these people are connected. So every time I bring something up, I'm going to tell you what schools they went to and how they are connected because it is a big club. As George Carlin said, it's just a big club. And you and I aren't in the big club. I want to talk about the new identity politics being uh, a part of the equation from now until forever. The charlatans running this country want every black person to fight with every white person. That's what they want, and they're going to peel that scab off every chance they get. Do you think the people wanted slavery, or do you think the government that came from England, that world governing system that we fought to get away from, do you think those people put slavery into the system? Because we fought a war. Our kids died over making it right. We believed in the idea of freedom. We believed in it so much that Abraham Lincoln came out with the Emancipation Proclamation and we fought a war to make sure that our fellow brothers with a little bit darker skin could be free. And they want to blame it on all white people. It's just it's the mind tricks that they use, the propaganda and the mind tricks and the conditioning and then the quote unquote education. Uh, that they sell to our kids, you'd think people could figure it out, but they can't because they they have no ability to think in reality. They only have the ability to think what they've been taught by charlatans. That's it. That's why the federal government took over education, so they could centralize the thing and sell you nonsense. Every state should design their own education system, and that should be the end of it. And if you don't like what they're teaching in Alabama, who cares? You don't live in Alabama. Let the people in Alabama figure it out. Uh, But they wanted to centralize that education system. And you have to ask yourself, why do we all have to think the same? And why do we all have to be taught the same? Have you thought about it? Uh, Those are things I think about. We're going to talk about this new GOP candidate uh, for uh, GOP president. I'm not even going to say his name yet because I want to bring that up in just a little bit. Another club member saying all the right things. Russia and Ukraine I want to talk about. I want to talk about Mark Middleton. Uh, This guy was shot in the chest. He was hung with an extension cord. It's apparently it's being ruled a suicide. And then you go, well, who's Mark Middleton? Well, if you remember the Clinton days, if you're just a little bit older and you followed politics back in the day, Mark Middleton was an advisor to Bill Clinton. Apparently, the big story that all of the conspiracy outlets want to sell you is that he let in Jeffrey Epstein. He was the one that signed Jeffrey Epstein into the White House seven times or so, this and that and the other. That's not the story. The real story is the connection with fundraising through China into the Clinton administration. That's the story. But they're going to sell you on the spectacular. They want to keep, like everything in our media, they try to keep you... Distracted, So they know people love the Epstein case. There's something there. It's very salacious, and they want you to stay focused on Epstein. But the real story is if you go back in time and you find out about Mark Middleton, this guy that was shot in the chest, hung with an extension cord, it's being ruled a suicide. If you really look into that story, which we're going to do on this show and maybe the next, depending on how much time we have. But when you look into it, he was instrumental in securing fundraising from Chinese operatives into the Clinton White House in the 90s. That's the story, but apparently the only thing that matters is that he has some relation to Jeffrey Epstein. Let me start off with Fauci again. I There's so many topics that I try to tie together that it, it does get to be difficult, I must admit. But I want to start with Anthony Fauci because this is where I left off on last show. This is where people called me and they said, Rob, you brought up Anthony Fauci. You were going to tell us something about him and you never got to it. And I seem to do that all the time. I apologize. Uh, But I want you to listen to this first clip. Now, let me tell you just a little bit about it if you're a first-time listener. If you've been listening to this show from the very beginning... You understand who Anthony Fauci is, and the reason I was so adamant that the COVID deal was a con job is because I understood the history of Anthony Fauci, and trust me when I tell you, so did Donald Trump, okay? Listen to me. Donald Trump knew what was going on. He understood what was happening. Anthony Fauci was the guy that was behind AIDS, He is the guy that went out as just like he did with remdesivir. If you understand the story behind COVID-19, you know that they pushed through this uh, emergency medicine called remdesivir that every hospital used as a protocol, which is toxic. It could never get approved legitimately. So they said, oh, it's the only thing we have. You got to get remdesivir and all the hospitals used it as protocol for COVID-19. But where have I seen that movie before? Watch Dallas Buyers Club. I did a whole show on it on my podcast and explained how this thing went down. But if you're aware of who Anthony Fauci is, you knew he was a scumbag from day one. So what they did with COVID-19 is exactly what they did with AIDS. People who had HIV could have been treated. There were opportunities to treat them. People were going to Mexico to get uh, things that would help them. But in the U.S., You couldn't get those drugs. Think about COVID-19 when you couldn't get ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Nobody was recommending uh, uh, vitamin D unless you were on the deep recesses of the web where you could actually find information because all of it was being suppressed by the tech companies, which really are. It's really our government. So if you understand what's going on, the tech companies are our government. So uh, figure it out how you want to. They say it's private. It's called fascism, kids. Once you understand how this works, they just regulate it, they infiltrate it, and it becomes a part of the government, and then they go, well, it was, uh, it was Zuckerberg, it was this guy, it was that guy. It's your government doing it to you figure this thing out. It's not all that complicated, but what they did with COVID-19 is the exact same thing they did with AIDS. They restricted medication that would work, they restricted the information that would help, and they sold a drug. In COVID-19, it was remdesivir. In AIDS, it was A-Z-T. Check out this clip. She, this lady does a really nice job of explaining it. Pay attention to it. It's a little bit long. I'm going to play the whole thing. I want you to hear how this conversation goes down so you get a sense of how easy it was if you knew the history of your own country to diagnose what was happening with this COVID con job. Clip number one. Ready? Go.
2: The FDA will move as quickly as possible to address this issue and expand the uh, the indication for, for AZT. He
0: didn't even blink. This was entirely second nature to him, to unblinkingly get on television night after night and speak of this incredibly toxic chemical, and I mean really toxic. People with asymptomatic HIV infection. Since AZT is a, is a drug that's already on the
2: market, physicians can, can, at their discretion, prescribe it for whatever it is that they want to prescribe it for.
0: Anthony Fauci made a decision at a certain point and came out with it that anybody with CD4 cells lower than 500, though they were still healthy and not symptomatic of AIDS, should go on AZT as a preventive measure.
1: Now, wait, before I go on... Did you hear that? If you were asymptomatic, now think of the way COVID worked. Remember, if you were asymptomatic, you still needed to get these drugs or this vaccine or get tested. And a lot of times people felt perfectly fine. I've told the story before. A buddy of mine was going to Brazil. He was going over there to work. He takes the test at the airport and they test him positive for COVID. He's freaking out because he's got business to take care of and he's on a timeline. And he tells the story that he got in he got an Uber, went to Walgreens, got a rapid test, took it. It was negative. He brings it back to the airport and uses that to go to Brazil. It was a con job from the very beginning. But what they did is they made asymptomatic people freak out. And when they freaked out, they could sell them whatever they wanted to sell them. In this case, back in the AIDS days, if you live through it and you understand what happened there, they were selling AZT which became the most uh, profitable drug in American history, and it was toxic. It did zero good. It was toxic, and they sold it like it was the secret sauce to save your life. Continue on. All
2: participants whose T4 counts are less than 500 should be offered AZT. I knew that the drug had come out of an anti-cancer program. Uh, Basically, it's a modified... Uh, nucleic acid, uh, you know, our DNA and RNA are made of, of these little chemical bases and when you modify some of them they can jam the machinery of cells replicating. That's how a lot of chemotherapy drugs work and this is just the same.
0: One person I interviewed, his brother was perfectly healthy and had been persuaded to go on a high dose of AZT and he was dead within a year but also his face melted, melted away. It's like it's, it's like Hiroshima, very powerful radiation. He was diagnosed, he had advanced AIDS, near death, just months to live, massive infections in his lungs, all over his body, uh, Kaposi's sarcoma, lesions on his skin, high titers of the virus all throughout his body. And instead of being dead today, as most of the people taking AZT were, by undergoing hyperthermia, at the University of Rome, today he is alive and well. There is a successful series of treatments. I use the word treatments. Uh, There's no one treatment I think is better than any other. Hyperthermia,
3: vitamin C drips, ozone treatment. I had taken my medical records down to the National Institutes of Health to Dr. Fauci's lab and showed them because they have presently discredited this treatment. And that's why our federal government has not allowed it here in the United States as of yet. Um, showed them my medical records and what i did is i blanked out a set that had my name on it showed them and said well what do you think of this their response is well this person obviously got better what did they do
0: fauciism is a an absolute contempt for natural non-toxic therapies a contempt for the whole dialectic and discussion about what is an immune system what is health how do you detoxify? What does it mean when you're, when you're getting sick from a, a chronic illness?
1: Dr. Anthony Fauci, everybody. Stick with us. We'll get into segment three, and then we got the second hour. We're going to get into detail on a lot of these topics. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
0: The Rob Carter Show. <laughs> SR1 Sundays.
1: Oh yeah. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Once again, you're listening to SR1 on News Talk STL. My name is Rob Carter, and you're listening to The Rob Carter Show. I hope I didn't distract you at the end of segment two with the clip on Fauci. But I think if I can explain the Fauci thing, I know I beat up COVID, but it's right before us. And if you can just grasp it for what it is, those people that are on the fence or need to explain it to somebody, This is so right in front of us that I just got to bring attention to it because if you pay attention to what Fauci did with AIDS and you pay attention, this is what the clip was about, and what Fauci did with COVID-19, it's the same game. I mean, these people look at us as just uh, schleps that they can do anything to. They can sell us anything. They can lead us in whatever direction they want to lead us in, and they do it. What they did with AIDS is they sold fear very heavy back in the 80s. Uh, gay people were really freaking out. But if you were having any unprotected protected sex in the 80s, the insinuation that was you could get HIV and die. HIV led to AIDS and that was the end of it. It's really well depicted in the movie Dallas Buyers Club. If you see the movie Dallas Buyers Club with what I'm about to tell you and you understand it for what it is, and people love the movie, they just didn't understand exactly what was happening because they didn't really pay attention to the what was going on and apply it. The federal government was trying to sell AZT. Well, and the federal government is the pharmaceutical industry. They're one and the same. But they were trying to sell AZT. Fauci got out there and put a big push on for selling AZT as a preventative from AIDS. Meaning if you got HIV. Now you could take AZT, and everybody wanted it because the fear was so heavy that the message that everybody was getting is if you got AIDS, you were going to die, and your only chance to live was this miracle drug called AZT. Well, AZT was a toxic drug. I think people that lived back in those days will tell you that it didn't do much good, but it did a lot of harm. People were getting HIV, started taking this AZT, and it was a bad outcome. It's the same thing that's going on here with COVID-19. The idea with COVID-19 was to sell gene therapies and remdesivir. Fauci was the front man for both. Really the front man for remdesivir. If you remember how he sold it, he said if you took remdesivir, it would reduce your hospital stay by like 38%. Now, in in hindsight, how ridiculous is that? It's insane that anybody has to even contemplate it now in retrospect, but what it shows you is, is what a salesman and a con man they are. They sold you that it was just a really important thing to get remdesivir to reduce your hospital stay by 30, I think it was 38%. And then it became protocol in the hospitals. And just like AIDS, the medicines that were working, you couldn't get. The story behind Dallas Buyers Club and AIDS, the lead character, uh, goes down into Mexico to get therapeutics that were working that was making people feel better. There were treatments out there for the problem. But the United States government and the pharmaceutical industry combined together to make sure that you couldn't get any of that. The feds came in, raided this guy who was trying to sell these concoctions because people started to recognize these therapeutics were working. But that wasn't the game. That wasn't the AIDS game. The AIDS game was AZT and Tony Fauci was the front man. The same exact story went down with COVID-19. They, they sold you remdesivir, and they sold you gene therapies. Fauci was the lead guy. He's the one that sparked the fear. The government runs the, or the media or the government, however you want to look at them, because, again, it's one and the same. They put up the death scoreboard, scare everybody to death, run all these propaganda campaigns uh, that the hospitals are full. At the same time, nurses are doing TikTok videos by the thousands, and they're all over Twitter. But nobody could put it all together. It was a propaganda campaign. They use the media to sell you a movie and they make all the money in the movie and in reality. And it's something that people have to pay attention to. I read this book. It's called Rise of the Fourth Reich. Confronting COVID fascism with uh, a new Nuremberg trial so that this never happens again. Written by Steve Deese and Daniel Horowitz. Um I didn't read the book necessarily because I can't read more than a chapter anymore and my eyes get tired and I can't stick with it. So I listened to books on Audible. So I was talking to Frankie the other day and I said, Frankie, uh, I could have written this book. It's ele- I listened to it for 11 hours one day and one the part of the next morning. And it is a, uh, it's, it's, a it's a rundown of what went down with COVID-19, the movie. You got to remember, they did a script for it at Event 201's at Johns Hopkins in November, it was called Event 201, and they wrote the movie script that you and I lived out in real life. This was an orchestrated event, and it's just so sad that people don't call them out for it. The people that did this need to be accountable for it. Um, they answer to us, if they don't, then what, what is it all about anymore? I mean, the government has got to be accountable to its people. It can't use them and lie to them and sell gene therapies to them and then act like it didn't happen. That's why this Arizona thing is so important, because the only way to get your system back is to work it through the democratic process. And that means you've got to change out your leadership. This is going to take 100 years to fix. We're in a hole. But if we're going to save freedom, we've got to change out our government. We have to be able to verify our elections. We have to talk to each other and communicate in reality. It's why I tell everybody all the time when you listen to Fox News and CNN, it's just not good because they don't tie anything together for you. They just keep moving the narratives forward. If you can never look back into history and tie things together and you recognize they never tie those things together because they're all in the same game together. Even Tucker, who I you know, I think Tucker's very talented, does a great job, but is Tucker tying pieces together for you? Or does he just tell you one piece of the puzzle at a time? And nobody has the time or energy to understand how to put all this puzzle together. But what you should see is a criminal organization run in D.C., um, all connected with all of the different major industries, and they're able to do whatever they want because they're not worried about the elections because they're manipulated, controlled, and rigged. This story in Arizona is so fantastic. I can't wait to get to it, and I will get to it. Um, I think I'm going to get to it in the very beginning of the next segment. So stick with it. We'll uh, we'll talk about this Arizona case and just how this thing ties into everything um, and, and really is a microcosm of the entire country and what's going on and why. And it, it just shows you. It just if you pay attention to it, what happened in Arizona is just a microcosm of what went down with uh, COVID-19 and all of these uh, media events. Uh, they're just overwhelming. Russia, Ukraine, Chinese spy balloons. That's uh, just one after another. But If you just pay attention to who's working with who, they're all working together. The Chinese and the United States and the Russians and the Ukrainians and uh, the Germans, they're all working together. They're putting in a global system. Uh, The idea that the United States is poking their finger in the eye of Russia makes no sense. You know it and I know it. And everybody, you know, you get caught up in these narratives and you just believe it because you're conditioned to think that we are enemies. Uh, We're enemies on paper. We're not enemies in real life. These people are friendly with one another. And they're friendly with the Chinese as well. You could tell the Chinese were in the game with COVID because if you remember the very first images of COVID that you can remember were Chinese citizens walking along the street and fallen face first. That's how they sold it. Do you know anybody that had COVID that fell down and died or smashed their head open face first from COVID? Do you? No, it was a scare pan- campaign. And that's how you can see it's connected. The Chinese were selling propaganda to the U.S., and look what happened. I mean, look what happened. They were selling the propaganda in China to the United States. And how's it working out for us? And was our government uh, involved in the operation? Of course they were, because you got to see a 201, or you should know a little bit about it. Um, it was all planned in advance. I want to just get into uh, other topics. I don't want to beat it any more than it is, but I just wish people would pay attention. Uh, this stuff is really happening. we got to get with it. We need free and fair elections. I want to start because I want to tie a bunch of narratives and a bunch of people and a bunch of schools together. So I want to start with this diversity conversation uh, because it's it's a topic of conversation around the country and on social media. And I want to show you how this whole thing started because now Joe Biden, who's a puppet, he has a history, folks. Um, he uh, He has a whole history behind him. Judge Joe Brown, the TV personality who's been a judge since the 70s says that he went to a rally and saw live with his own eyes, Joe Biden uh, preaching segregation back in 1973. Uh, This is not, he has so many racist statements, there's too many to count. I make fun of it on this show. I play little clips of things that he says that are so racist, it's insane. But because we're conditioned to think he's a Democrat and he worked for uh, Barack Obama, that he is this man of the people. It's it's just absurd. So I want to let everybody know how it started. Uh, Many people know, but many people don't. This is how Joe Biden talked about the idea of gay marriage uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Take a peek at this. Clip number 16, Joe Biden ready. Go.
4: The world's going to Hades in a handbasket. We are desperately concerned about... The circumstance relating to uh, avian flu, we don't have enough vaccines, we don't have enough police officers, and we're going to debate the next three weeks, I'm told, gay marriage, a flag amendment, and God only knows what else. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game
0: going on here?
1: Oh, he is fantastic. That's the real Joe Biden. That was the Joe Biden that was being Joe Biden, a buffoon I'll give you. It actually sounds fairly decent in that particular clip, you just have to know what a salesman he is. Um, Then he comes off as a used car salesman. In that clip... That was Joe Biden. Now here is the puppet, the president that works for the corporations and the oligarchs and will do whatever he is told to do. Um, He'll try to read as much script as he can before he falls asleep. This is the new and improved Joe Biden. Clip number 27. Ready? Go.
2: The cabinet is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female. 40% of White House senior staff identify as part of the racially diverse communities. And a record seven assistants to the president are openly LGBTQ+. So, again, this is something that the president prides himself on.
1: The president prides himself on. I mean, does that make any sense to you at all? I'll tell you what. People change positions on occasion. Uh, but when you're in government for as long as Joe Biden, you have some idea what your uh, philosophy on life is. And if you think it changed that much in ten, twelve, fifteen years, uh, I got a bridge to sell you. Now he's a puppet. Now he is. Uh, he is. He is preaching the UNWEF World Economic Forum. He's preaching their song. They're setting the agenda. The agenda for Joe Biden is the same as the World Economic Forum. It's the same as what's going on in China. It's the same what's going on everywhere in the Western world. It's just all, this is going to be a new form of authoritarianism. That's all. And America is the last stop. We, I mean, at least we can work it through the constitution. Most people have no chance whatsoever. Um, and I think people should, I think people should pay attention to it. That's all. I'm going to keep bringing it to your attention. Um, this is the result. When you get a little bit, uh, uh, the way diversity is being used by our own education system, Uh, clearly is meant to divide people, don't you think? And if your government was in your corner, would they be trying to actively divide you? Uh, Clip number
3: 37. Ready, go. Um, But you must admit how uncomfortable it will be to be characterized just by your skin color on the first day of school and be thought that you were wrong just because of your skin color. So I'll never forget the look one of my friends gave me from across the room as we were sitting there listening to this blatant bias being expressed in the so-called equity statement by the leader of our school. To be clear, I don't need you to tell me that I matter, but hearing the condolences given to other races and leaving just one race out, it inevitably you'll start to feel like you've done something wrong. And in our principal's attempt to unify us, he instead created unwarranted boundaries and barriers between his students, pitting us against each other based on characteristics that we can't control. In another separate instance, I was told that writing all lives matter on the whiteboard was political and could be seen as offensive. When I questioned the teacher after class, she told me that she didn't have an answer and she just had to erase it, and it was quickly erased. There are political signs all over RHS specific, about specific races that matter, specific sexual orientations that matter, and specific perspectives that matter. But when I questioned the RHS administration about how these signs were political, they told me that they were supporting human rights. So when I questioned why the equity statement couldn't represent all students, they told me that to even ask that question was outlandish and offensive.
1: They're going to make the absurd your reality. Now we are no longer judged by who we are and our character. Our schools are teaching our kids that people should have preference based on their skin color. It's just a new form of racism, but it is clearly meant to divide the American people and it will divide the American people unless we stop it. How can we allow this to go on in our schools? It's just crazy. When we get back from break, I want to talk about this new guy in the Republican Party who's going to run for president, uh, Vivek Ramazwamy, I think is the way we pronounce his name. He's showing up all over Twitter. He's running for president. But I'm going to tie a bunch of things together, so just stick with the second hour. Arizona is the big conversation. We'll talk about Russia, Ukraine. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but I want to show you how they are all tied together. Stick around for hour number two. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around once again. You are listening to SR1 on News Talk STL. My name is Rob Carter, and you are listening to The Rob Carter Show. This second hour is going to be just a little bit more difficult for me to put together for you, so stick with it. What I want you to stay focused on is the coordination between the pharmaceutical industry and power players within our government. Okay, stay focused on that, and then we're going to get into what went down in Arizona because that is the biggest story in America and I wonder how many people are paying attention to it I wonder how many people have even heard about what's going on because this woman Jacqueline Brager who claims to have 3,000 attachments has given the information to Governor Doug Ducey of Arizona Uh, she's going to publish all of this information apparently uh, but she makes a very good case for what is going on in Arizona and I say it's the same thing that goes on with the rest of the country our entire system runs like a mafia globally everything runs like a mafia let me explain first JFK because he tried to warn us and I think what JFK tried to warn us about has already taken shape we're already there now we got to figure out how to get out of the trap how to unwind it how to get back to free and fair elections how to get back to freedom and liberty Um, and then I want to play a piece from George Carlin which again I played some of it before But as far as a societal commentator, somebody who recognized what was going on in this system, as a comedian, nobody better than George Carlin. JFK and then George Carlin. First clip is JFK. Pay very close attention to what he says. I'll add context to it, and then we'll do George Carlin. Uh, Clip number 22, ready, go. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy
4: that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration instead of invasion on subversion instead of elections on intimidation
1: instead of free choice on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. So he's describing a global conspiracy against the United States in 1961. And this is how he describes it. Infiltration versus invasion. And with, when you think of infiltration infiltration instead of invasion, think of how our government has been infiltrated, especially by the Chinese. Now, you can't get mad at the Chinese. The Chinese have a underground war going on against the United States, and they took advantage of our puppets in D.C., these people that were all out for themselves, and they took advantage of the American people who let these people get into office, never challenged any of it, never took our government into our own hands and allowed these criminals to run our system. So the Chinese, you can't get mad at them, but they have infiltrated our system. Uh, any any reasonable look at it would verify it. I mean, look at uh, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is married to Elaine Chow. Elaine Chow is from one of the club member schools, Harvard. Her father is a shipping magnate who's, pledged allegiance to the Chinese Communist Party, and she's married to right now the most powerful Republican in our government. I mean, how much more would you need to know? You got uh, Eric Swalwell, who was having an affair with a Chinese spy, apparently. You have uh, Feinstein, who's one of the most powerful women in our Senate. She was being driven around. Her chauffeur was a Chinese spy. it's, It's all around us. It is what it is. He said subversion instead of elections. Isn't that what's going on in this country? Do you have any confidence in our elections? I certainly don't. Most people don't have any confidence in our elections. That's why I don't understand why people are getting so uh, into whether it's going to be Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or whoever's going to run for president. Who could care? The hand above it is going to select this person regardless. So why do we get caught up in it until we make sure that our system, our election system, is fair, verifiable? Protected, we need a fair and free election with a protected election system, a verifiable election system. That's why this Arizona story is so important. He said intimidation instead of free choice. Look what happened with COVID-19. People were coerced, people were intimidated. They had to take these shots or they couldn't work, they couldn't travel, society was going to ostracize them. Look at the pressure campaign that was put on around COVID at every level, all the politicians, all of your late night talk show hosts, all of your major networks, everybody was pushing COVID-19 because as you understand, the media and the pharmaceutical companies are one and the same, the media and the government are one and the same, the government and the tech companies are one and the same, and once you start to recognize how they're all connected, you start to realize it's just one big club of people. And where are they taking this thing? Because it certainly looks like they're taking us out of freedom and into compliance. The other thing he said, JFK, was guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. Think about the southern border. Wide open. And what's coming across the southern border? Fentanyl. Fentanyl that they blame on China, but they simply cannot fix our southern border. Look at all the food processing plant fires. The train derailments. We had a military plane go down in Alabama. Gorillas by night instead of armies by day. Who is coming across the southern border? The media wants you to believe that it's just poor people from around the world looking for a better opportunity, and I'm sure that's part of it. But we don't know who's crossing that border. They're coming across by the millions. Is it possible that it is gorillas by night that are coming here to do our system harm, to destroy our system one piece at a time? Is that possible? When you look at our government, you see who these people are. I think it might be possible. I think they want to break it down, and I think they want to get us into a world-governing system, like I said, controlled by the World Economic Forum with policy from the United Nations. I think that's exactly what's happening. Now, let me get into George Carlin. Pay attention to what he has to say because, again, as a, a political observer, very few people were as astute as George Carlin. Check this out. George Carlin, clip number 27. Ready? Go.
0: They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. they got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the
1: balls. Exactly right. They own everything. When he says they, what my show is trying to get across to people, I'm trying to explain to you who they is. Once you understand who they is and how the system works in totality, then we can start to make some movement to fix it. We have to go through the democratic process. And the only way to go through the democratic process is to have elections that you can rely upon. Right now, we don't have that. That has to be job number one. Wouldn't you agree? As luck would have it preparing for the show, last night, I see a clip from Saturday Night Live, SNL. The opening monologue was by Woody Harrelson, uh, from Cheers, Woody Harrelson. Uh, there's a backdrop. He's got a story to tell. He's got his his father assassinated a judge in Texas, and his father was working for a Texas drug dealer. So, uh, Woody Harrelson, I, I would assume, has a little bit more understanding of how this system works and how things, how drug cartels work, how mafias work, how the whole situation works. Now he says this in joking form. But listen very closely to what Woody Harrelson had to say last night on SNL. Pay very, very close attention. Clip number 29. Ready? Go.
0: So the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out If they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over, I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe
1: that crazy idea? I mean, what he's describing is exactly what happened with COVID. The drug cartel, the American drug cartel, sold gene therapies and said, if you don't take them, everybody's going to die. They created a ton of fear, and then they coerced and intimidated everybody into taking their gene therapies. And the question is, was it just for money? Or was it a bigger, is there a bigger scenario that we're not quite fully understanding just yet? But nonetheless, they created a problem. They ran Event 201 out of Johns Hopkins. They sold you drugs that you didn't need. Everybody by now should recognize that. And there should be some accountability, don't you think? Let me move over to this. By the way, let me just read to you about Woody Harrelson's father. Because I knew a little bit about it, but I read into it a little bit more. His father's name was Charles Harrison. He was uh, convicted of assassinating a judge by the name of John H. Wood. It says Wood, known as Maxim John, Maximum John, for his harsh sentencing of drug traffickers, was assassinated by Charles Harrison in a contract killing placed by placed by Texas drug lord Jamil Chagra, who was awaiting trial before that very judge. So that's who Woody Harrelson's father is. So he might have some understanding of drug cartels, might have some understanding of how this system really works. And uh, I just think it's very interesting that that was last night, right as I'm preparing for the show. That's what he puts out there on Saturday Night Live. It fit perfectly. Now let me move over to this particular guy, Donald Rumsfeld. And if you're around for 9 11 and you know about the Iraq War, you recognize the name Donald Rumsfeld. He was the Secretary of Defense. He had a long history in politics all the way back from the 60s and 70s, so he'd been around forever. But this was uh, Michael Tracy on Twitter. So he's a reporter on Twitter, and this caught my attention, and I started to look into it. It says, in October 2005, Donald Rumsfeld attended a meeting in Lithuania with the defense minister of Ukraine and vowed U.S. support for Ukraine joining NATO. Take a wild guess who he was accompanied by. You'll never believe it. That's right, Victoria Newland. Now, if you listen to my show, Victoria Newland is everywhere. Victoria Newland is the one who testified before Congress that the United States had bio labs along the Russian border in Ukraine. Victoria Newland was the one that was caught on tape, and I'm going to play that clip for you here in a minute when I tie this together. She was the one caught on tape talking to some guy about who was going to be running Ukraine. They were picking and choosing how Ukraine was going to be run. You got to watch the United States control Ukraine. The calls were released to the public. It's out there for everybody. You saw what Joe Biden had to do with Ukraine. You're starting to see how this whole thing plays out. It's just, uh, it's a racket. The whole thing is a racket. Even Ukraine and Russia is a racket. Victoria Newland is also the one that said if Russia made one step into Ukraine, if they invaded, if they caused any trouble in Ukraine, that they would destroy Nord Stream 2. Nord Stream 2 was a pipeline carrying natural gas from Russia to Germany. Now, Victoria Nuland seems to be very involved in some very important things. Why is that? Let me get into Donald Rumsfeld, and then we'll catch up to Victoria Nuland. Little background on Donald Rumsfeld. As I said, during the Iraq War, he was the Secretary of Defense. He was the one that was kind of overseeing the Abu Ghraib story. If you remember that, that's when they had all of the naked Iraqis. They were basically torturing them, um, getting them naked, and there, it, all the pictures and video came out of what the um, of what America was doing to the Iraqis. Now you got to remember when you look at those pictures back from those days and how horrific that was. We invaded Iraq on a lie. Don't forget that. As much as you love the flag and I love this country, I'm not responsible for my government anymore because they're doing whatever they want to do and they're lying to us. So we have to figure that out. But if you just look at the the facts of the case, the United States invaded a sovereign nation and then were torturing their people, all based on a lie that was told to the United Nations. And the United Nations, which is an unelected governing body, said that we had 17 or 18 resolutions that gave us the authority to go in and bomb Iraq in the smithereens. This was all under the watchful eye of Donald Rumsfeld. So who is Donald Rumsfeld? Well, first, I want to listen. I want you to listen to this clip. Uh, for people that follow politics, you may remember that Donald Rumsfeld gave a speech one day before 9-11 and the planes went crashing into the World Trade Center. He gave a speech where he admitted out loud that $2.3 trillion out of the Pentagon was unaccounted for, and he starts to blame it on computer systems and this and that and the other. Now, of course, that doesn't make any sense, but it's always plausible deniability. But on September 10th, the Secretary of Defense tells the people of America that $2.3 trillion is missing. Donald Rumsfeld, Rumsfeld. clip number 46. Ready, go.
4: We are, as they say, uh, tangled in our anchor chain. Our financial systems are decades old. According to some estimates, we cannot track $2.3 trillion in transactions. We cannot share information from floor to floor in this building because it's stored on dozens of different technological systems that are
1: inaccessible
4: or incompatible.
1: Okay, that's Donald Rumsfeld. That was a clip from right before 9-11. And then you look him up. Donald Rumsfeld went to Princeton and then Georgetown. Georgetown, one of my club member schools, and Princeton probably is too. They got a secret society there called Cap and Gowns. But then you look into his history. This is what it says in his bio about Donald Rumsfeld. It says that he's talking about President Ford here. When Ford lost the 1976 election, Rumsfeld returned to private business and financial life and was named president and CEO of pharmaceutical corporation G.D. Searle & Company. He was later named CEO of General Instrument from 1990 to 1993 and chairman of Gilead Sciences from 1997 to 2001. Did you know the Secretary of Defense was involved with pharmaceutical companies One of those pharmaceutical companies, J.D. Serlin Company, was a subsidiary of Pfizer. Stick with us. We'll be right back. I'll tie more together for you. All right, everybody, welcome back. Once again, you're listening to SR1 on News Talk STL. My name is Rob Carter, and you're listening to The Rob Carter Show. At the end of the last segment, we were outlining the background on Donald Rumsfeld, the former Secretary of Defense. I bet you didn't know that he was a CEO of a pharmaceutical company. Did you know that? I certainly didn't know. One that was attached to Pfizer. So now let's just look at the everything starting to take shape. You got Ramazwamy, who's running for president, who owned a pharmaceutical company. You got Donald Rumsfeld, who was the Secretary of Defense, who used to run a pharmaceutical company. So let's just look at the pharmaceutical people involved in COVID-19. The first guy is Stéphane Bancel. He is from France. He went to the Harvard Business School, went to Harvard Business School, so he's a club member. That's Moderna. The other one was Pfizer, and Pfizer was run by CEO Albert Bourla, who's a veterinarian, and everybody's like, how did he get into power? As I'm reading through his bio, I recognize something interesting. It says, in April 2019, at the pre gallian Greece Awards ceremony, he was presented with the award for preeminent Greek leader of the global pharmaceutical industry by Jeffrey R. Pyatt, United States Ambassador to Greece. Now, when you look up Jeffrey R. Pyatt, he is a club member from Yale. And I thought, where do I recognize that name for? So I kept digging and digging and digging. Here is a conversation between the aforementioned Victoria Newland, who's attached to Donald Rumsfeld. Victoria Newland is having a conversation with Pyatt, a guy by the name of Jeffrey Pyatt. I'm going to play this clip for you in a minute, talking about Ukraine and who's going to run Ukraine. The same Victoria Newland who said there are biological laboratories along the border of Ukraine and Russia being controlled by the American government. Well, as it turns out, Pyatt was the one that was on this conversation with Newland talking about who was going to run Ukraine. This is, you know, uh, five, six, seven, eight years ago, however long ago it was. But she's talking with this guy who was the ambassador to Greece. He was also apparently the ambassador to Ukraine. So Victoria Newland is in bed. With this guy named Jeffrey Pyatt, who was the ambassador to Greece and the ambassador to Ukraine. Pyatt was the mentor for the guy who is the CEO of Pfizer, Albert Borla. It's amazing the ties that these people have with one another. Now, check out the conversation that she has, uh, Victoria Newland, with Jeffrey Pyatt, club member from Yale. Clip number 86. Ready, go. What do you
4: think? I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up is exactly the one you made to to yachts, And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response.
2: Good. So uh, I don't think Cleat should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea.
3: Yeah,
4: I mean, I, I guess you think – in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this.
3: Um, I'm kind of...
2: I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Kleech and Tani Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week. You know, I, I, I just think Kleech going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work.
1: That is a conversation between Victoria Nuland, who's all over the place all of a sudden, with the ambassador to Ukraine a guy by the name of Jeffrey Pyatt. Jeffrey Pyatt was the mentor to Albert Borla, who runs Pfizer. Victoria Newland is the one that admitted in Congress that the United States had bio labs on the border of Russia and Ukraine. Victoria Newland was with Donald Rumsfeld, who owned a ph- ran a pharmaceutical company, was the Secretary of Defense, and he accompanied her to... Uh, basically tell the Ukrainians that they were going to make them a part of NATO or endorse the idea of Ukraine becoming a part of NATO. It's amazing how these things tie together. Now let me move over. And by the way, before I even move over, uh, Victoria Newland, her husband is a guy by the name of Robert and He's another player. He's from Yale and from Harvard. And he is born in Greece, which is funny because that's where Pyatt was the original... Uh, ambassador. He was the original ambassador to Greece before he was the ambassador to Ukraine. I know it's convoluted, but it's amazing if you had an org chart out like I do in front of me, how these people are connected. It's the pharmaceutical industry, the it's the ambassadors, it's the pharmaceutical industry, it's the defense contractors, it's the politicians, it's the media, it's the schools. They are all connected to one another throughout generations, apparently. Now, let me show you how this ties into what's going on in Arizona, let me just start it with this. Uh, it says here is why the arrest Katie. This is a this was on Twitter. It said here here is why hashtag arrest Katie Hobbs is trending worldwide. Now Katie Hobbs is the governor of Arizona. Now she was the secretary of state. She endorsed her own election. There was all kinds of uh, improprieties in the election of 2022, the midterm elections in Arizona. Anybody that paid attention to to the entire story, knew that it was a bad operation. They knew something was going on. But again, once they swear these people in as governor, what can you do, right? Well, this woman comes before the Senate Elections and House Municipal Oversight and Elections Committee and tells quite a story. Here's how this guy puts it out on Twitter. It's a good start, before I play the clips, of understanding what she is saying is going on in Arizona because it's jaw-dropping. It is, it's incredible that she says she has the documentation to prove it because it's exactly what's going on around this country and around the world. The entire system runs like a mafia. And what a mafias run in? They run in sex. They run in drug trafficking. They run in gambling. They run in vices. That's what mafias do. And the structure of a mafia is where there's heads of everything that are behind the scenes, and they have soldiers that implement whatever they want. They can get whatever they want done. So listen to this. Uh, it says, John Thaler of Harris and haler uh, let me start over. John Thaler of Harris-Thaler Law Firm claims he uncovered absolute proof showing that the Sinaloa cartel, formerly led by El Chapo, bribes high-ranking officials in Arizona, including uh, including Katie Hobbs, Adrian Fontes, Chris Mays, etc. The cartel allegedly uses influence to rig Arizona's elections, launder money using falsified trust deeds for single-family purchases, successfully traffic drugs humans and humans through the southern border, etc. Failure claims that the cartel uses intimidation tactics to silence anyone that may be a threat to their extensive racketeering. The investigator also includes a declaration showing that in October 2020, they discovered 25,000 falsified ballots at a Maricopa County residence belonging to someone they were investigating with lots of cash involved. Thaler claims that his team reviewed 120,000 documents in Arizona and found tens of thousands of direct pieces of evidence proving the allegations. This is just a snippet of a much bigger story that deserves all the attention. Thaler is an attorney, and I doubt he'd be bringing these allegations forward without having all the corresponding evidence. That was out on Twitter. Here are some of the clips just to get you uh, up to speed with what's going on down there. This woman's name is Jacqueline Brager, and here's how she addressed, again, the Senate Elections and House Municipal Oversight and Elections Committee. Jaw-dropping information, very thorough, claims to have all of the documents and can spell it out for you. Here she is. Listen very closely to how she describes the, the, scenario, the scenario in Maricopa County and the scenario in Mesa. It is unbelievable. Check this out. Clip number 27. Ready, go.
2: Resources, including city government officials and agencies in Mesa, Arizona has also been integral in the laundering activities. Since 2010, money laundering has exceeded $7.5 billion. In Arizona, laundered cash is used in part to bribe elected and appointed public officials and their support staff. The principal prepar- preparers of the documents necessary to effect the racketeering enterprise are Donna Ray Chavez, a resident of Mesa, and her da- daughter, Brittany Ray Chavez. To date, More than 10,000 falsified documents have been recorded with the Maricopa County Recorder's Office. We estimate that more than 35,000 warranty deeds and trust deeds evidencing fraudulent transactions exist in the database. The number of falsified notarizations exceeds over 15,000. Donna and Brittany participate in racketeering activities, which also include facilitating the bribes to the public officials tax evasion, payroll theft, bankruptcy fraud, insurance fraud, and extortion. The city of Mesa is a racketeering organization, as that term is defined in 18 U.S.C. section 1961. To protect the enterprise, civil rights are systematically and, sy- and sy- systematically and sy- systemically violated to preserve racketeering activities. Fines and outrageous cash bonds are used to collect monies which are then skimmed and redirected into the racketeering enterprises. The City of Mesa Police Department operates within it a private police department that is used to support and protect racketeering enterprises. Officers participating in this force are compensated with monies paid through the phony mortgage schemes and other related schemes. Officers operating within this private force systemically violate our Fourth Amendment rights by breaking and entering into private properties, wiretapping, computer hacking, cell phone hacking, and by using relative related surveillance techniques without warrant. She's
1: making the accusation that the entire system in Arizona is corrupted through drug money being laundered through mortgages by the Sinaloa drug cartel, she, I'm going to play this next clip for you. She says the cops, there's a secret force within the cops that protect this entire operation. So you have the judges, you have the elected officials, you have the cops, everybody involved in it, and she claims that she can prove it. And it just corresponds and lines up very neatly with what I've been saying for a long time. When you pay attention to how this whole thing works, it's just a very corrupted system that anybody could see if they put a little time into it. The question is, where are they taking it? Uh, this is clip number seventy-two. Listen very closely to what this lady has to say because it is absolutely astonishing that this is going on. And when she finishes, I won't play the clip. But the people on the board are like, "Wow, you are very, uh, you're very courageous to bring this information to light." Because she's basically going against everybody in Arizona that has any power and the Sinaloa drug cartel. It'd be very odd for her to put herself out there in that form if she didn't have some documentation to back it up clip number 72 ready go
2: since 2004 elections within Pima County and Maricopa County have been manipulated through the infiltration of the county databases resulting from bribes paid to executives at election service providers including but not limited to principals at Runbeck election services in addition to impacting local elections Bribes and infiltration were used to affect the outcome of the races during the November 3rd, 2020 election, including the outcome of the race for Maricopa County Recorder and the outcome of the November 8th, 2022 election race for Governor, Secretary of State, and Attorney General. Public officials who have received bribes include multi state office holders, State House and State Senate, local office holders, county supervisors, judges in the Maricopa Supreme Court. Judges of some city courts, including two presiding judges, judges assistants, prosecutors within certain cities within Maricopa County, prosecutors for Maricopa County, peripheral legal specialists, including attorneys, approved mental health care providers, as in court-appointed advisors and related specialists. In the Superior Court of Maricopa County and Pinal County and Pima County, at least 25% of the active judges have accepted bribes in exchange for protecting the racketeering activities.
1: Wow, 25% of the judges are on the take. And I'd assume it's more than that, I really would, but that's how you keep getting these cases in front of these judges that go nowhere. But when you watch the cases, you're like, what do you mean they're not going anywhere? You can't see this evidence before you? I reported on on this situation on the show uh, when Carrie Lake had her attorneys in front of this judge, and I'm like, how can you say that this was a fair election when the ballot... The guy says the, the testimony was they changed the ballot size so it wouldn't read properly in the voting machines. Now, Runbeck, is the, they make the voting machines, similar to Dominion and Smartmatic. Uh, these people that make the voting machines, if you know how to hack them, you can change the outcome and then make the ballots uh, connect up to the vote totals that the machines that have been hacked print out for you. So the machines give you the number, and then you use fraudulent ballots to fix it all up, and you have everybody in the government protecting you from getting in any trouble and then ultimately they are protected by the media. Stick around. We have one more segment. I want to talk about Mark Middleton. I will finish up with this story in uh, Arizona and then I have a couple other clips that I think you'll find interesting. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the final segment of the evening Hope you had a great weekend. Once again, you're listening to SR1 on News Talk STL. My name is Rob Carter, and you are listening to The Rob Carter Show. I want to get back into the conversation about the story in Arizona because I find that to be the very most important story in the country. If people could understand what's going on, if they could understand how this government is just abusing its citizens, I mean, her story... And by the way, her name is Jacqueline Brager, B-R-E-G-E-R. She testified in front of the Senate elections and House Municipal Oversight and Elections Committee and tells a story of how, and she stumbled upon it, tells the story of how the Sinaloa drug cartel from Mexico is laundering money through phony mortgage schemes and using that money to buy off elected officials judges, they even have a private security force within the police department that harasses and surveils anybody getting in their way. Anybody who gets wise to it, they put an end to it. They have a private police force within the police force to protect this system. And of course, the media makes no mention of it. Why? How many people could possibly be involved in this scheme? She mentions Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs now is the governor of Arizona. We have talked about her over and over again. Very extensive uh, conversation about Katie Hobbs because she is the one, if you remember, that said the debate about debates is over. I made fun of her the entire time. She would not debate Carrie Lake. And remember, I don't care anything about Carrie Lake. I don't know anything about Carrie Lake. She seems perfectly fine. But the idea that you are trying to run for governor and will not debate your opponent should raise your eyebrows just a little bit. Katie Hobbs was the secretary of state. She solidified her own election. Despite all of the shenanigans around her election with the ballot sizes being wrong, the uh, the voting machines wouldn't read it, took it to court. I watched the court hearings and it is incredible to me that anybody who watched that would say, okay, well, that's just fine. Nothing really happened there. Obviously the elections were intentionally manipulated and this judge just let it slide. Well, now doesn't it start to make sense? If they can get these cases in front of the judges that they bought off, the system seems pretty game, does it not? So if what she's saying is true, and she can prove it, she claims to have 3,000 documents, is going to put out a 300-page book. She's already given the information to the CIA and the governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, Now, I don't trust either one of those institutions, the governor's office in Arizona and or the FBI, but if she publishes this for the people to see, it could change the course of history here because if the people of Arizona recognize that they don't have elections, that they're standing in line in the 100-degree heat to make a vote that doesn't really matter because it's all being gamed to begin with, there might be some pushback that might spill over into the other states because it's happening everywhere. If you watch the 2020 elections, you know that there was fraudulent election uh, games being played all around the country. Not just Arizona, but everywhere. And this woman, by the way, claims that she has information that the elections of 2020 were manipulated. That's the Donald Trump election. She says that elections uh, have been compromised within Arizona all the way back to 2004. And again, claims to have all of the information. Watch and see how the press either hides or tells the story. Watch and see how the press tells the story about the January 6th grand insurrection led by a guy dressed up as a Viking. Now, remember, Mike Lindell is hopping mad because Kevin McCarthy released the footage of the grand insurrection inside the Capitol, thousands of hours of footage to Tucker Carlson and Fox News. Now, nothing against Tucker Carlson. Um, I think that Tucker Carlson tells you every piece of the puzzle and never puts the puzzle pieces together. That's my opinion. But they gave it to Fox News. Why is Kevin McCarthy not releasing that information to the public? Why does Fox News get it? Who is Fox News? Fox News, you know, is an entity that tries to keep you distracted from the real news, regardless of whether it's Tucker Carlson and you like him or not. That should be information that is released to the public. They are basically saying that Trump supporters led a violent insurrection of the Capitol building and the people that were there are saying that it was a setup that people within our government contractors, whatever you want to call them, orchestrated the entire event to frame Trump supporters as violent insurrectionists. That's what they're saying. So if we could see the footage of what went down inside the Capitol for ourselves without Tucker Carlson and Fox news getting in the way, I think it would be public information that would enlighten a lot of people because I think it was a setup. I pretty much know it was a setup, but when you tell people that, they think you're crazy because they watched the grand insurrection on television, made for TV, as I like to say. Pay attention to those two stories. Let me move over to the Mark Middleton narrative. So if you know who Mark Middleton is, he was involved in the Bill Clinton administration. He was an advisor to Bill Clinton. Apparently, he committed suicide in May of 2022. He was found with a gunshot wound to the chest, hanging from an extension cord. Now, the news is reporting that the state of Arizona has ruled this a suicide. No weapon was found near him. Gunshot wound to the chest, hanging from an extension cord, but it's a suicide. Now, I don't know if any of that information is true because you can't trust anything from the press. But here's how the New York Post reported it. It says, The mysterious death of an aide to President Bill Clinton with ties to Jeffrey Epstein has been officially ruled a suicide, despite there being no sign of a weapon near the body. They want to make the tie with Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Clinton, and Mark Middleton, the guy that supposedly committed suicide. The Jeffrey Epstein piece, again, is the magic trick. When you see the magic trick starting to happen You have to understand how the news works. They want to sell you the connection between Jeffrey Epstein, Mark Middleton, and Bill Clinton because Jeffrey Epstein is a salacious story. They know that people get very excited about the Jeffrey Epstein case. But let me give you a little backdrop to this story. Mark Middleton, when I looked him up, I found a, um, this was a hearing before the Committee on Government Reform. It's titled, so uh, a group of House members heard uh, testimony by Mark Middleton about improper campaign contributions. Now, when I look through this entire thing, it's many pages. But Mark Middleton pleads the fifth to everything. But you got to get a gist of what they're talking about. Uh, The hearing was called, uh, Insider Mark Middleton, his ties to John Huang, Charlie Tree and other finance figures. So I start digging into these people to try to figure out what's going on here because I know the media is trying to sell me on Jeffrey Epstein and that might be perfectly fine. But I had a feeling there was more to the story. And as it turns out, my hunch was correct. The real story is about China paying off, giving money to the DNC and the Bill Clinton administration. I'm not talking about Chinese Americans. I'm talking about... The Chinese, infiltration instead of invasion. One of the guys they mentioned was John Huang. His last name is spelled H-U-A-N-G. Here's what it says. John Huang is a major figure in the 1996 United States campaign finance controversy. He worked for Lippo Bank. Lippo is spelled L-I-P-P-O, Bank, in California, and Worthen Bank in Arkansas and as Deputy Assistant Secretary for International Economic Affairs in U.S. President Bill Clinton's Commerce Department before he became a chief fundraiser for the Democratic National Committee in 1996. Now, the interesting thing about that is John Huang was born in China. May not mean anything yet, but when you're talking about improper uh, campaign finance stories and Bill Clinton and understanding how China has infiltrated our entire society, maybe we want to pay attention to the... Chinese angle here. Another guy I mentioned, if you listen to this uh, testimony or read the testimony, another guy I mentioned was James Riady, last name spelled R I R I A D Y. Here's what it says about him James Riady uh, is an Indonesian businessman and deputy chairman of the Lippo Group, same bank as before, a major Indonesian conglomerate, one of the most prominent Chinese Indonesian businessmen. He is the son, and then it goes on and on. When you look him up, the picture on Wikipedia is this James Riotti sitting in front of the World Economic Forum logo. The World Economic Forum and China are one and the same. The World Economic Forum and America are one and the same. The World Economic Forum and Europe is one and the same. Vladimir Putin was a young global leader fostered by the World Economic Forum. Tulsi Gabbard was as well. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who went to these meetings is complicit. I'm saying it's something you might want to understand, something you might want to ask some questions about. The other guy named was Yalin, better known as Charlie Tree, and Tree is spelled T-R-I-E. Here's what it says about him. The Little Rock Rush who became a controversial fundraiser for President Clinton, entered into a plea agreement with the Justice Department yesterday, winning leniency in exchange for telling all in an investigation of improper campaign contributions originating in China. That's the story. China money was funding the DNC and funding the Bill Clinton run for president, apparently in 1996, or at least funneling money into his campaign And there was an investigation into it. Apparently nothing came of it that I can see as far as big-time media attention. But when you see how intertwined China is now with the United States, isn't it interesting that they're trying to sell you on Jeffrey Epstein? When you really look into the story, uh, Mark Middleton was the guy that was using Chinese money, raising Chinese money for Bill Clinton and the DNC. Very interesting story. I'll keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on some of these stories and just see what the press does with them. Because the last thing I want to talk about today, I want to finish the conversation about how the club works. You know I see these schools tied together. I see these people uh, tied together through the Council on Foreign Relations, through the World Economic Forum, through the United Nations, through the banks, through the pharmaceutical industries, through the media, through the politicians, and primarily through the schools. The schools, you can really tell something's going on there because it's just a handful of schools that everybody is connected to. This is Janet Yellen. She is the Secretary of Treasury, and listen to how she talks about Ukraine. She's saying we're going to give another $10 billion to Ukraine, but she's the Treasury Secretary. She sounds like a politician. Doesn't it seem very odd to you that the Secretary of Treasury is making political statements about Ukraine? Check this out. Janet Yellen, clip number 22, ready, go.
0: Assistance is making Ukraine's resistance possible by supporting the home front, funding critical public services, and helping keep the government running. In the coming months, we expect to provide around $10 billion in additional economic support for Ukraine.
1: Unbelievable. Now, Janet Yellen, when you look her up again, Yale. Harvard and the London School of Economics. And again, she's sticking her nose in to Ukrainian policy and how much money we need to give to Ukraine so they can stay afloat. It's amazing. I found this clip too. I thought very interesting. This is Nancy Pelosi. She is being uh, the people of San Francisco. I believe we're going to start giving her some trouble. This needs to happen. We need to start holding our officials accountable. We need to let them know who is in charge because these people, especially Nancy Pelosi, they act like royalty. But this is the way it needs to go down. And you need to get it on video and you got to get it up on social media so people start to have some courage to address their leadership group in the United States because they have been ripping us off, starting wars in our name, doing all kinds of things that we don't approve of while getting filthy rich up there in D.C. And we just continue to let it go here is Nancy Pelosi she is at a coffee shop drinking pure cure coffee when you look at the coffee mug that she has there it says purecurecoffee.com p-u-r-c-u-r-coffee.com Nancy Pelosi one of her constituents giving it to her in San Francisco at a coffee shop here's how it goes clip number 66 ready go
3: Let me just get you. Nancy, you in. tell us why we have all the hundred fifty billion dollars going to Ukraine. And we have homeless on the streets in thank your own city. Nancy, I get some stock trading tips
2: you. on how
1: to get semiconductors in Taiwan. Nancy, Nancy, why do we? Thank is your man. son involved with Hunter Biden? Of course, her son is involved with Hunter Biden. You know, all this. This is that clip and this guy that is going out and and, and uh, confronting. Hakeem Jeffries, I don't know if you saw that clip I think his name is Jose Vega Uh, He goes after Hakeem Jeffries Who is the minority leader in the House of Representatives For the Democrats, another club member When you see Constituents starting to go after Their own, meaning Republicans Going after Republicans because they're corrupt And Democrats going after Democrats because they're corrupt You know that we're starting to head in the right direction So there is a ray of sunshine Out there If you want to be hopeful We have to have free fair, and verifiable elections if we're going to have a country. That's job number one, and that is why the story in Arizona must be the number one story. Pay attention to it. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Start your Monday morning with Pure Cure Coffee, P-U-R-C-U-R Coffee.com. We'll see you next week at 6 o'clock, 6 to 8 o'clock, every Sunday evening on The Rob Carter Show. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care.
0: This is S-R-1.